0: Good morning. It's another beautiful day to worship our God in heaven. I got tickled a while ago with Ron's announcement talking about Bobby not getting any younger. I got to look around and realizing our youth group is those who are 50 and under. <laughs> so that's our youth group. And if you're that age, good. <laughs> Otherwise, we're part of the old bunch. This morning we want to continue what we started last Sunday morning. As we realize, as we talked then, that outside of the prophet Jeremiah, Paul is known to have shed more tears than any other Christian that we know of in the early beginnings of the cause of Christ. And last week we looked at and he cried our tears shed for the spiritual condition of the nation of Israel, his own countrymen that he was so worried about because of the refusal to accept that Christ was the Son of God. He cried when he wrote his letters, because at times he realized and understood there were times he had to say some things that were harsh to get them to straighten up some things they were doing which were wrong. And then he also reminded us that he cried when he preached. The things he said at times was hard to talk about without doing so, and we understand that as well. This morning we want to continue with some more of those tears that he shed. And this first one to most would seem a little unusual. Because when I mention about the people that he's prayed for, most would say, you wouldn't catch me doing that. And that is what is found in Philippians 3 and verse 18. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Yes, you heard Paul correctly. He says, I shed tears over the enemies of the cause of Jesus Christ. And it was said that is a little unusual because most people tend to think of enemies, you're not going to see me no shed no tears over them. And if you ever find out or read about that the enemy that has been had has died or some horrible thing, you almost go, yes! (laughs) You know, in essence, human nature for payback. But Paul says here, no, I have a different attitude toward those who are my enemies. I shed tears over them. I am crying for the fact of what they're doing, not only to themselves, but to the cause of Jesus Christ. And two main groups of individuals were his enemies. The first of which was the Judaizing teachers that we're familiar with, that we find throughout the book of Acts and even in his epistles as he writes different congregations. In their insistence as they went in behind him to try to enforce upon those new Christians trying to have to keep certain aspects of the law of Moses and other things concerning that law that Christ had nailed to the cross. And they did cause a lot of damage to the cause of Christ in that time. His other enemies, uh, as we would say as a class, was the Gnostics and their free living attitude. You know, you can outward man. The outward man is not the same as the spiritual man. And whatever this outward man is, not going to hurt the inward man. Do what you want to live any way you want to. Go to church on Sunday, so to speak, worship God, and everything will be fine. Why? Because you've only damaged the outward man, this old party of dust. You have not filtered or, as we say, damaged the internal man. So you see, Paul had to fight a lot of fronts. Paul had to confront these things everywhere he went in that respect, trying to keep the church pure and walking as it should, as Christ taught all of us. He says, I derive no joy of going after these people. I derive no joy of trying to clean up after them and trying to straighten down a congregation who's fallen victim to these things. It hurts me and it causes me to cry that these people would do that much damage to the church and their attitude toward it is a very selfish in its motives. There's no love for God. There's no love for Christ. And he says, it brings me no joy. In that respect, his sadness. And he says, because why? They're destroying their own souls. That's obvious. They also, he said, they're disappointing and destroying the cause of Jesus Christ. And they were injuring Christ's cause to the point that even the enemies of the Lord were speaking against it. In other words, the neighborhood around the congregation was hearing of these things, and they were even speaking of reproach against the cause of Christ, the things they were hearing going on within that congregation. Look around this day in the 21st century, there's not any difference. You let don't you not think the neighborhood around us knows what goes on in the walls of this building? Absolutely. Absolutely. So we need always to make sure what, and as we meet on, in this building on these occasions to worship God, let's ever make sure the things which we teach, that which we preach and uphold is the truth of God Almighty. Especially in times when the truth is being sold so cheaply, even among our own. In that respect, it causes us to cry. Yes, He wept because He says there are so many who are opposed to the cause and the message of the cross of Christ. And it's hard when we even having one person that we're having to fight against has declared themselves to be an enemy of ours. You can imagine what the Apostle Paul was going through when he had whole teams of enemies fighting against him. One against so many as he tried to keep the cause of Christ pure in that first century. And he says, and he noticed, he doesn't keep these concerns or these sorrows to himself. He tells often to every congregation the enemies of the cause of Christ. He reminds them of what these people are capable of doing and what they have done throughout that part of the world in that day and time to the cause of Christ. He wanted his brethren to know. And even as he tells us in Philippians 3 and verse 1, he says, to write the same things, that he's talking about this over and over again, is safe. It is the good thing to do. We cannot be warned enough of what's going on around us in the world for the cause of Christ and the enemies against it. The saddest thing is the fact the majority of them are from within our own ranks. Within our own ranks. Another thing we find that Paul cried about, we've talked about this briefly, but he mentions it specifically, this time in Acts chapter 20 and verse 19. He said, Serving the Lord with all humility, with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. We would call this verse, we could call it Paul cried when the gospel was hindered. We've talked about the enemies and what they were doing. We realize understand how great the opposition of the Jews' hierarchy especially was against the cause of Christ. How diligently they worked against it. How hard they fought it to try to destroy it. Because in your mind, it was destroying the law of God. We cannot allow that to happen. And so they fought it so hard. And Paul says, I weep because Too many places I have gone. Too many places I'm visiting. Too many things I hear from others. That congregations are being ripped apart. The progress has been impeded because of the Judaizing teachers who are within them disturbing the cause of Jesus Christ and wanting Christians to go back to that old law. He fought it daily. And it saddened him that he constantly the trials is it happens to me because I'm defending the gospel against the plot of those who want to destroy it. Then he says, I cried when he thinks of his friends and their trials. Paul, we all know, you read through Acts, he reads his epistle, one thing comes across to all of us. Paul cared about all of those people he converted whether it was a one-on-one with a particular individual or where he came into a city and he was able to convert a, a great multitude of people for a congregation in that city. He cared and loved each and every one of them and the congregations that he established. Listen, he writes to Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 4, As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Notice here, Paul writes to this young man, this protege, this great young friend that Paul had had for so many years, and now they've been separated because Paul is in prison for the last time. Death is not too far away. When he writes this to this young friend, notice he says, I know and I remember of the tears you have shed for me. Here's one who's concerned for Paul and I'm shedding tears for him. And do we know that Paul cried for his young friend and others? As you read all the epistles of Paul, you find many places where he writes about the tears. He writes about the hardness that others have had and the hatred he had to try to correct them because he loved them. But if you want to know tears, read this second book to Timothy. Because this is the last one he wrote. And it is filled from tears from beginning to end as this old gentleman who loved that young man so much, writes him for the last time, Telling him what was coming down the road. Prophesied of things that would happen to the cause of Christ. And he says unto him, I understand of your tears for me, and don't forget I cry for you as well. He was concerned for him. When he also that same apostle who reminds all of us, when he writes to us in Romans 12, we are to do what? Weep with those who weep. And that doesn't mean in a funeral. It means at any time those tears are necessary to help someone as they are walking this life as a child of God. Paul said, I cry for those. Even Jesus pronounced that we would call it a blessing, a happiness, as He called that word really is in the Matthew, the 5th chapter. In verse 7, He talks, Blessed are the merciful. And that word takes on a deep, real deep understanding it simply means that it is the ability to get in right inside the other person so we see things through their eyes think things with their mind and feel the feelings they are feeling that's what he means by being merciful We've heard it said a lot of times in an old city saying is to walk a mile and they're Mexican, so to speak. Is looking through things through their eyes to get a better understanding of why they're hurting, why are they crying, why are they crying for help. Is even similar to our word sympathy. Which in the Greek means, first of all, the first part of that means means together with, and the last means to experience or to suffer. That means that we are experiencing togethers with the other person. Literally going through what they are going through. This is what Paul meant when he talked about crying for others. He cried whether it was for an individual friend or was for a whole congregation of God's people. He cried for them because he understood and he had walked where they had walked and he understood what they were facing and going through and he cried as he tried to help them. He wanted to. He wanted them to know he was concerned. He wanted them to understand he felt what they felt. But the problem we have to watch is this, though. Our problem is simply this, that we are so concerned with our own feelings at times uh, that we're really not that concerned for someone else. How many times have you heard someone say that when you hear about some tragedy someone's going through and the the consequences they're having to face and everything going along with it and have someone say, "Well, that ain't nothing. You don't know what I've been through." Is if say, "Well, they may be going it, but you don't know what I'm facing." And most times not what they're facing is a whole lot less than what they're looking at. We got to be careful that when we're, not, when we're feeling sorry for someone and want to help them, let's make sure it's more than just outside. That we've walked in their mosques, so to speak. Is that not what our Savior did when He walked on this earth? Did He not get inside our eyes? Did He not get in our minds? Did He not get in touch with our feelings and understanding? Did He not walk in our mosques, so to speak? Yes, He did. God knows through His Son what life is like on this earth because God walked with us on this earth. When we pray to our Heavenly Father for things that were hurting, Things that we're crying about, or even asking for forgiveness, of his sins, or even strength, we pray it through his son. Why? Because the son knows. The son understands because he's walked with us. He's felt the pain that we face. He has shed the tears that we shed. He's been happy when we are happy. And so then when we are pained in heart, our Savior is touched by that because He has felt the pain and the misery and His heart is tender when we cry out for help in that respect. In other words, He's able to take our grief, our tears, and make them as if they were His own and help us through that time. But not only did He pray for others in congregations... He also mentioned what we would call the physical things and persecutions he had to face every day. In 2 Corinthians 11 and 28 says, Apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me from my anxiety for all the churches. We mention this one last for a purposeful reason. It is to say unto us, this is what weighed the heaviest on the heart of the Apostle Paul was every congregation and everything they faced every day as a congregation of God's people, no matter where they were scattered throughout that Roman Empire. He bared the persecutions He bared, if we would say, the enemies and all the scandals that may have been sent against him because he loved the congregations of God's people throughout that empire. Yes, we could truly say the continuing pressure of business the cases to be heard and solved that were going on in between brethren and sisters and even congregations. That cases to be heard and solved had to play as it was judged for a moment. The times relative to the doctrine, making sure that it's being taught, discipline when necessary, the persecution and the supply that, was, that every congregation somewhere or another needed in every way, it was all taxing on him. We all know that. but he gladly endured it. Gladly endured it. Look who he was dealing with. He was dealing with younger Christians who were babes in Christ, who were still on the milk of God's Word, needing to grow stronger day by day. And his care was for them to grow. And even had dealing with Christians who had been in the church for years of that day and time, that still had not matured. They were still babes. He was having to get them to grow, constantly working them to cause them to get up, move forward, study, grow as a child of God. They were the churches, many of which were composed of Jew and Gentile, and we already know the conflict that brought. Not only the different cultures, but the attitudes they had to one another and the past. Now as they come together as one, because that's what they are in Christ, we're all one. There's none of these things. And Paul had to deal with each of them and their preferences. Had to deal with them with their attitudes of the past. Their preferences according to religion. How they did things in other times and other ways and places. And Paul said, I have to work to bring them together to get them to understand we're one in Christ. We're one in Christ. And he says, besides all of this, every congregation had faced persecution in that time. Every one of them. Paul says, I hurt for them. I cry for them. I pray for them. I plead with them. I beg whatever necessary to make them stay on the truth and walk in the pathway of Christ that He left for us when He walked on this earth. Our question is this. What kept him going through all of this? In other words, we say, what kept you going, Paul? What, what, what was it that kept you from finally throwing up your hands and saying, that's it, I'm through, I'm out of here? What was it? It was something he said to his brethren at Rome. When he reminded them, as he might be, we say, reminding himself again, and reminding us even here today, from verse 28 of chapter 8, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord of heaven. Paul believed that. With all of his heart, mind, soul, and strength, we know it because what we read of his life. He understood that everything that hurled against him, all the problems he faced, all the persecutions, everything that he went against, that went against him that caused him to shed tears over, he said it will all work out for the good. My Lord will help me. My Lord will take care of it. My Lord will be there when I need Him. He'll always be by my side. Uh, but you see, there's a key to that though. Paul seeing, you know, all that happened, how to keep his hand on God's hand. To help him as he walked through life. Do we know Paul kept this attitude to the day he died? Absolutely. When we read of his epitaph, and it's his, he wrote to Timothy for the last time in that fourth chapter of that last book, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, as he calls it. I have fought the good fight. I've kept the faith, etc., What is he saying? I have worked for my Lord because I wanted to, because I've loved Him. And because of my working for my Lord and grateful for what He's done for me, therefore laid up for me. And not me only, he mentions. That crown of life. That crown of life. I'm going, I am working now for something my Lord will give me that nobody can pay for. No money can buy. I shed my tears because I know a day is coming when I meet with my Lord and there will be no more tears. No more a time of joy and bliss that crown of righteousness that eternal life being with his Savior who he served all those years for all of eternity he gladly carried him again in 2nd Corinthians this time in chapter 12 and verse 15 he sums it up this way I will most gladly spend and be spent for." Your souls. Not a regret. Not, I wished I'd never done it. None of those things. He simply said, I most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Every day he cried. Every day he was thankful. And every day he did what he could to move the cause of Christ forward in that first century. He was given and he gave with eagerness and he gave with gladness because he understood that every day as he denied himself, he was as the Christ reminded us to die daily for the cause of Jesus Christ. Was he miserable? Never a day. Listen again, this time, again, to the book, to to the uh, Corinth congregation, again in the second book. This time in chapter 1, when he begins by saying, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort also. There's no sadness in that. None whatsoever. It is a life that simply said, I gladly spend and be spent for your souls. The God of all comfort who comforts us in all our afflictions. Paul was right. No matter what, all things work together for good. And he showed it in his own life and the many tears he shed as an apostle serving his Lord through those years until death came and took him away. This morning, if you're not a child of God, as we've always said, and we still will as long as we're able to stand, everything is ready. All that's necessary is for you to respond to that precious invitation of the Lord to respond with a willing heart that's willing to give up that life of sin, that repentance that's necessary to give up the old way of man and sin in life, and begin this day forward to move closer to becoming a child of God and turning your life around, repenting of the way you've been living as even our Lord told us to do. Confess before all that He is the Christ, that He is the Son of the living God, with full faith in your heart and mind that this is true, and it is true. The Bible is abundant of the proof of that fact. And to be buried in baptism is a raise to walk that new life. As Paul was told, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and what? wash away your sins. Calling on the name of the Lord. But this morning, if there's sin in your life as a child of His, you stray from His truth. You realize even now you're not walking as you should as a child of God. Here's an opportunity to come back. Ask God's forgiveness. He's promised you that He will. He's promised you that He'll forgive and forget and wash it with the blood of Christ and cleanse it from your lives and remember against you no more. You can leave here today knowing that you have, may have tears, but it be tears of joy. Why? Because you renewed your life and came back to the Heavenly Father. Think of that while together we stand and while we sing.